0: Hi, it's Dr. Ayomize here, and welcome to Master Plan Marriage, where we focus on the master and his plans for all marriages, mine and yours included. All right, so today we have a special, special person to me, just coming to me for the very early on and I'm just so excited to have her on to for you guys to listen in to all the wonderful information that she has to share. This woman is Jocelyn Hampshire and she comes to me from listening to me go on and on about marriage on um, another podcast. And that's called Unfiltered Motherhood. And I had the opportunity to be interviewed there talking about marriage. And Jocelyn reached out to me.
1: (laughs) Somebody reached out.
0: (laughs) And Jocelyn said, you know what? I have a lot of experience in trauma and addiction. And I'm wondering, maybe your listeners might be interested. And I said, yes, big yes. Something that needs to be spoken about. Something that needs to be heard. And... When can you come? Can you come tomorrow? No. (laughs) So uh, Jocelyn and I got to speak for a bit and I got to meet her and hear her story and she is wonderful y'all. And I'm excited that she was so willing to come on and share with you guys what she knows. And so I know that this is going to be a blessing and I'm excited. And so without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Jocelyn Hampshire.
1: Thank you, Dr. Aya. Well, like she said, my name is Jocelyn Hampshire and I am a licensed professional counselor and online course creator. I run a private practice in Arizona doing strictly telehealth. So I see clients all throughout the entire state. I'm also a board approved supervisor and I'm trained in EMDR and post-induction therapy. I'm a certified sex addiction therapist and a certified equine therapist. And I hold a certificate in traumatic stress studies. Oh, I've also been married <laughs> to my husband since 2013, and I have three little boys. I have Hunter, who is five, and I have twins, Hayden and Hudson, who are three. Um, I live on a one-acre farm, and I have goats, chickens, pigs, a horse, and a dog. I love it! So in a nutshell, she knows what
0: she's talking about, so let's listen. <laughs> I love it, thank you. I try. You. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. And so what I always like to, you know, start with is hearing about your journey with the Lord and, um, you know, how did you come to know the Lord to start?
1: So I grew up in a Christian family and remember going to church every week and faith being a big part of my life and my parents' life. I saw them digging in the word every morning, having their quiet time, um, and they were great examples of what being a Christian is. Um, I don't have a specific memory of when I accepted Jesus into my heart, but Mm. I know it was pretty young. And then when I was eight, my best friend died in a car accident Mm. and it really rocked my faith as that little kid, because I didn't understand how a God that I was taught that loved me and wanted good things for me would let that happen. Like I just couldn't wrap my head around it as that little kid. And then. I kept hearing people saying about like how God is using this for good. And I'm like, what kind of sick God would use the kid dying for him? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that created some distance, but I just kept going to church, kept trying to dive in as that little kid. And it took me a while to realize that God can control everything. And sometimes he lets bad things happen and he can still use it for his glory. But it doesn't mean that he's the one that made it happen. Right. That's so good. And so from there, my faith continued to grow and I have been following Christ ever since. But that was a real defining moment in my faith.
0: Mm. You know, it's a question that even adults ask. Right. But I love how it didn't drive you away from God, but it pushed you further in. Like you wanted to know more to help understand what kind of a God would do you know, well, would, would allow that to happen. So that's wonderful. Right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and so, and you've been with the Lord ever since and yes, <laughs> keeping absolutely. you, right. And that's, that's wonderful. And so now he has you in this position where you are um, so knowledgeable in the area of, of trauma and marriage, trauma and addiction and working with um, couples in counseling. And so like I said earlier, you know, we want to talk about what, how trauma plays a role, plays a part in, in marriage. But before we can get further, you know, let, we, we need to define marriage uh, just to make it plain uh, before we start. So go ahead and, and let us know what, what would be, what's trauma?
1: So funny story, but pretty much anything I have verbally said, I don't want to work with that population. God has put me with that population. So when I was in school, I was like, I don't want to work with addiction. I don't want to work with trauma. I just want to work outpatient doing this. And God put me at an inpatient trauma and addictions facility. And he knew that's exactly what I needed. And that's where I would thrive. Mm. And it's happened repeatedly. So now I know not to. Not to tell God I don't want to work with a specific population (laughs) because he'll just show me that he has other plays that I don't know about. Um, But with that said, trauma. So most of my work was done with Pia Melody, who is she's written quite a few books and she's done a lot of stuff on trauma. And her definition of trauma is anything less than nurturing. Mm. So that's a big umbrella for a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people wouldn't necessarily consider trauma as anything less than nurturing, but more often than not, those little instances of less than nurturing things actually add up and impact us more than some of the big traumas, which we can go into in a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that I'm familiar with that. The
0: idea of the little T traumas are often overlooked, but if, if there are enough little T traumas that are consistent and repetitive in nature, it can be just as impactful as a big T trauma. And when I say big T, meaning like the big things, the worst case scenarios that could happen to people that's often considered big T trauma, right?
1: Yes, so big T trauma would be like car accidents, abuse, death of a loved one, natural disasters, violent crimes, Mm -hmm. those like big things that you think of when you think of trauma. Mm -hmm. And little T traumas could be like a death of a pet or some mild bullying in school, or small isolated incidents of rejection, or like long-term passive aggressive behavior that it doesn't seem like it's much. And it, it's more covert a lot of times, the little T trauma. So mm-hmm. overt trauma would be the big T's. And the covert stuff that you kind of recognize, but it's kind of masked as something else are oftentimes those little T traumas. Mm-hmm. Now it's important to remember with this that perception is reality when it comes to trauma. And so what may be a little T trauma for you may be a big T trauma for someone else and vice versa. So we can't compare trauma and think that we're gonna heal the same way or that it's gonna impact us the same way because it will differ from person to person.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Okay, so what would you say unresolved trauma
1: can do to an individual in general? So unresolved trauma can manifest in a million different ways. Um, It could be where maybe we are more short-tempered with someone. It could be that we stuff it and we eat our emotions. It could show up where we are overly controlled in our behavior and in our relationships, or we could be totally out of control. It can show up in a thousand different ways, but pretty much most dysfunctional behavior probably stems from trauma. Like, I know that's a big generalization, but... A lot of times it's true. No, it
0: makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. Um, Because if it's, if it's not working, right. Dysfunctional it's learned. um, It's Mm -hmm. a coping mechanism, right. Based on something that has happened in the past that hasn't been dealt with. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now what does,
1: what impact would you say does unresolved trauma have on a marriage? So with trauma, a lot of times we're kind of emotionally stunted wherever that earlier trauma was. Mm. So what I see most often with my, with my couples is they have early trauma, like four or And so emotionally, sometimes they go back and they revert to that seven-year-old or that five-year-old or that three-year-old and two, three-year-olds trying to have an adult relationship. is not going to go well. Mm-hmm. So one of them is going to go pout just like a little three-year-old mm-hmm. because they got their feelings hurt and they don't know how to identify their feelings and communicate them or they may struggle with asking for their needs and wants because they never learned how to identify them Mm. or they get their worth and value from the relationship so they don't have that like healthy sense of identity um but more than anything yeah it's just that emotionally stunted two five-year-olds trying to have an adult relationship and parent and wondering why it's not working
0: wow yeah it seems very straightforward but if one is not aware that they're carrying this unresolved trauma, then then it's not so straightforward, right? It's not so explainable. And a lot of times the fault is placed externally.
1: It's, you know, blame on the other person, right? Yes. And it's important to remember with trauma, especially like if you think of your reactions and your responses on a scale of zero to 10, where zero is kind of like neutral, not a lot of emotion. 10 is explosive, overwhelmed anything above a four or five in your response is triggering past trauma. Mm. So if you find that when someone asks you to pick up the socks, you completely freak out and have a meltdown. Mm. That's a trauma response right there. Mm. If someone asks you a question and the tone they use just is a total trigger for you. That's a trauma response. And so when all these trauma, like, and oftentimes what happens is one person will get trauma or triggered in the marriage. And then that, trauma response from the trigger um, triggers the other person's trauma response. And then it just goes back and forth to where both people in the marriage are being triggered by their trauma and they don't even realize what's going on. Wow. It's a I'm super cycle. passionate about it. <laughs> no, we love the passion. Bring it.
0: <laughs> Bring it. Okay. So, so you recognize how, so and now the question is, how does someone recognize that their spouse has some unresolved trauma? Like take us through what they can be looking for or, yeah,
1: flags. So like I said before, when our reaction or our responses are disproportionate to the event, that is often a sign of trauma. Um, If our partner or we notice that we are walled off and don't communicate anything or don't practice any kind of vulnerability, that's a big red flag Mm. Because because the reason people don't share is because they were either taught not to or it's not safe.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And then with that, on the other extreme, if someone is explosive, easily triggered, reactive, overwhelmed, those are big red flags that there's something underneath it. Because, right. you know, when you fight with your spouse, it's not that they didn't load the dishes in the dishwasher. It's the 10 things that built up to us exploding because they didn't load their dishes in the dishwasher. Right, right. Um, and that's like, if there's boundary issues in the relationship, oftentimes it's also because of trauma. Okay. Because they learned it's not okay to set boundaries or they don't know how to identify what their boundaries are or they're so used to manipulating to get their way because that's what they were taught as a child. Hmm.
0: Okay. Wow. So that's, those are a lot of different Um, uh, (laughs) observations that one could make that will clue you into unresolved trauma. Okay. So what if I have a listener who's like, uh, yep, yes. Check, check, check. What, what now, what now, what if they've recognized that they themselves, let's start there. If they recognize that they themselves have some unresolved trauma, what would be the next steps?
1: Um, I would recommend that they seek a therapist that is special, that specializes in trauma therapy. It's really important to find someone that is trained in some kind of experiential method because what happens is um, a lot of talk therapy is more left brain oriented and trauma is more often than not stored in the right side of the brain. Mm -hmm. So you need something like equine therapy, EMDR, somatic experiencing, art therapy, something that triggers that right side of the brain to actually address the trauma.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. And what would you say to someone who's
0: recognizing that their spouse has or might have some unresolved trauma?
1: What should they do? This is where it gets a little bit tricky because we want to show respect and love to our partners. And oftentimes partners, they know they have trauma but they don't wanna hear it from someone else. Mm. And so we really gotta check ourselves and make sure that we are coming from a place of love and of compassion and not from a place of judgment or better than. Okay. And that can be really hard, especially in couples, especially for the person that has the unresolved trauma. They're so vulnerable because of the trauma that mm-hmm. they don't have the boundaries to be able to protect themselves. So when they hear anything even slightly critical or that they construe as critical, they, they can't hear what's happening. They can't mm-hmm. hear that I'm coming from a place of love. And so it has to be done very delicately and gently, but more than anything, we have to come from a place of love, mm-hmm. of love, respect, and compassion. And I care about you and I care about our relationship and I'm concerned because of these things.
0: Mm-hmm. What can
1: we do together? Okay. And what, what could
0: a couple do together um, aside from counseling?
1: aside from therapy? Um, Noticing what your triggers are and then finding ways to communicate them to your spouse in a healthy way. So, hey, babe, when you do this, this is where I go. Do you mind trying to approach me using these words instead? Right. Like, I hate when someone tells me to calm down. Like, it does not help me calm down. It does not help me chill. It does not do anything Mm -hmm. helpful. So if I communicate to my spouse, hey, babe, instead of telling me to calm down, could you ask me if I need a minute? That would help me hear what you have to say better.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And if I notice that my spouse is getting triggered, I could say, hey, I notice that something's happening right for you right now, let's take a five-minute break. Mm -hmm. So that way we stop that cycle of your trauma trigger is triggering my trauma, which is triggering your trauma, which is never ending. Right, right. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's what we talk about in terms of
0: having effective communication, right? Listening, taking cues, taking uh, reading signs and <laughs> responding accordingly and recognizing if if things aren't going the way that you wanted to go at that moment, it's okay to take a break rather than continuing in the cycle. Yeah, and more
1: than it's okay to take a break like please take a break. Right. Because you know, that break is probably one of the best things for your communication because you both get time to calm down, work through whatever is being triggered for you so that you can come back in a relational way. Right.
0: Right. Cause you remember we're on the same team. <laughs>
1: yes. Which is right? so important when Dr. Aya said that on unfiltered motherhood, I was like, yes, We have to remember in our coupleship when we're arguing or have a disagreement, like, hey, same team. We are on the same team. We have the same goals. We both want our marriage to work. So let's get out of our, you know, let's get out of our own way so that we can make this marriage a healthy marriage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Noticing the triggers and then finding ways to um, help each other, not trigger one another. But you won't, if you don't communicate, that this is a trigger. Well, one, it requires the person to be honest, right? That Mm -hmm. this is a trigger for me and to share that with their spouse. And then for the spouse to hear that and note that, hold on to that and change so that they're not triggering the other person.
1: Exactly, and oftentimes where we have the most pain points in our marriage, it's because it's triggering past stuff. So if, you know, whatever that is, if we're able to identify those pain points, then we can identify where the trauma comes from. And sometimes just knowing like, oh yeah, I get triggered by that because my mom used to say that Mm -hmm. or whatever that is, then it helps us have some compassion. And then that recognition in itself can be healing for our marriage. Right, right. Yeah. I'm like thinking about things that, that bother me and
0: trigger me. And I, yeah, when you said the calm down, I'm like, yep, I I, I see that one. (laughs) Like, no, it's not making me calm. It's making me worse, but, or feel worse, I should say. But I think for me, it's, it's one, one thing is not feeling heard. You know, if, if you've already moved on or you've made a decision or you've, you've ended the conversation before I felt like, I've I've heard I've gotten it all out and maybe it it took me a little a little longer but give me that due space the space that I feel like I'm due right I'm, I'm yeah. old or that I deserve I think yeah. that's the word I'm looking for right and so if I don't feel heard that that's a big trigger for me and so having that communicating that you know it's really important that I have the space to share my thoughts. Period. Yes.
1: And it's so important to remember the healthier you get, the healthier your spouse gets, the healthier your marriage is. Yeah. So even if only let's say your spouse isn't ready to do their trauma work yet. They're not at a place where they have the capacity or they have a lot of blind spots and they're not willing to go there yet. Okay. Well, you can do your work and you can keep your side of the street clean so that you can be healthier because it will impact the marriage. And once they see wow, she's really doing the work and this is how it's impacting our marriage, it'll motivate the other person to start doing their work too because we all have stuff. Yeah. And so once we're able to, (laughs) yeah, we all have stuff. And if we're able to clean up our side of the street, it will impact the marriage. It'll impact the parenting. It'll impact all areas of our life. Yeah.
0: Yep. It reminds me of a couple of scriptures and I don't have the addresses y'all bear with me, but one of them talks about the praying wife you know, how much she could do for her ab- unbelieving spouse, that she yeah. can, you know, impact him to the point where he desires a relationship with the Lord. Like you have no idea the impact that your own behavior, uh, nonverbal, you know, communication and verbally, the, you know, the way that you communicate, the way that you behave, the way that you treat your spouse does wonders you know, um, so, so don't minimize that. Even if you don't feel like your spouse is doing their part, you do yours, you do yours. Um, you right. go first is what my husband likes to, you know, likes to say too. you go first. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Good. So, okay. So with that, we've talked about, you know, if someone is experienced experiencing unresolved trauma, recognizing that they have some unresolved trauma that's clearly impacting their lives, that seeking treatment um, through trauma therapy is the way to go. Um, But there are things that you can do if you cannot seek counseling for one reason or another. Um, so, we, you know, we touched we touched on that. And so I would want to know when would it be in general, I guess, when would it be appropriate, especially because you are a counselor that sees individuals and couples, um, when would it be appropriate to, for an individual couple to seek counseling just in general?
1: I'm a big advocate for counseling. So I think for the individual, anytime is a good time to go to counseling. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't recognize any of those trauma triggers or you don't, because having that sounding board can help you see maybe some of your blind spots. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as couples counseling, when it comes to trauma, it really depends on the situation. But more times than not, the individual counseling and doing that trauma work will help set the foundation for some really good couples work once that person has been able to heal some of that. With that said, there are some people out there that do trauma couples counseling all together. I am not trained in that, so I can't speak on that, but I know that there are people out there that have discovered a way that they can do it all together, but that's out of my scope. Okay,
0: okay, all right. Well, I, I would be uh, not being myself if I didn't say this, that with counseling, if you are here and listening, you will know that this should not count, you know, this shouldn't be surprising. But find yourself, please find yourself a counselor who has the same faith, you know, because they are from the same background in terms of belief that at the end of the day, it's God who, who has the final say? He's the one that's leading us and guiding us. He's the one that has given us the minds to think the way that we do. He's the one that knows about our trauma, our experiences from before we were formed in our mother's wombs, right? And so, please, if you're going to seek counseling, make sure that this person believes in Jesus Christ um, as their Lord and Savior. And you can ask that question up front. Don't feel like you know you you're not allowed
1: to ask these questions, but That's, I have to say that. I have to say that here. (laughs) Yes. And it's so important because God loves our marriage even more than we do. And God wants to see our marriage succeed even more than we do. And if there are a lot of counselors out there that are like, oh, it's hard. Okay. Let me help you leave. And so we need someone that's Mm -hmm. going to help us and advocate for us to do the hard work so that God can heal our marriage. Because it's real easy to go away at the moment and then it creates all kinds of other issues, but we need someone that even on the hard days could be like, I know it's hard right now, but Jesus loves you and he loves your marriage and he's fighting your battles too. And so even though it's hard, what's your end game goal?
0: Mm. Yes. Talk about it. I love it. (laughs) Yes. So true. Who's going to fight with you or just give you the easy way you know, easy answer. And it's, it's, it's easy for the counselor to say, oh, okay, just leave him or just leave her. I mean, that's not their marriage. Right. And they're not going to be held accountable to God. And I, I say it and I say it again, at the end of the day, we all stand single file on judgment day and you can't point fingers at your husband or your wife and say this, no, he's gonna ask you about you. What did you do? with right. the, Or your therapist, you can't, you can't point you fingers at your therapist. therapist. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Oh, I love it. So good and so important to, to underline here. Um, so, wow, wow, so good. You know, thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much, Dosslyn, for your wisdom and what you've shared with us today. I, I feel like we've touched the tip of the iceberg here, but I, I, I hope you, my lovely listeners, um, start to think, like, this gets your conversation starting. Uh, the conversation you have with God, coming to recognizing some unresolved trauma that you have. Um, the conversation that you start to have with your spouse Um, the conversation that you start to have with the therapist that you find. Um, I I hope that this this gets you going. And of course, guys, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us here at masterplanmarriage at gmail.com. But before I leave, I want Jocelyn to come on and share um, her contact information for our Arizona listeners to be able to reach out if they need some help.
1: Yeah. So you guys can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Courageous Living AZ. And my website is www.CourageousLivingAZ.com. And you guys can reach out to me. We can get something scheduled. Um, If you follow me on social media, you'll see lots of quotes and things for you to really think about trauma, boundaries, all things mental health. So that you can really start to heal and grow into the person that God's created you to be. Man, love it. Yes. Yeah, so even if you're not in Arizona, you can benefit by following her on social media. Yeah.
0: So I love that. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Jocelyn. Um, and yeah,
1: any last words? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the ministry and the heart you have for God and for marriage because there's so much crap going on right now. And I, I love that you are intentional about all things, God, and pointing us back to God and providing that accountability. So thank you. Oh, amen. Thank God. All right, y'all. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye.